Welcome back to the podcast. This is your first time tuning in. We are here to talk about all things Clemson football, um, kind of like you would normally drink a beer at a tailgate with friends. In fact, we are uh, currently drinking beer right now as we record. Um, you'll find our podcast is really about us, not necessarily reporting news. You all have plenty of sources uh, to get your Clemson sports news fix. Uh, but generally, we'll be chatting about storylines that are top of mind to Clemson fans, casual and serious. Um, and we'll also give just our different perspectives on on the team, other, other Clemson sports, basketball, baseball, etc., uh, the ACC, and generally what's going on in the world of college football. Um, we'll also touch on from time to time just the state of the overall program. Certainly we're focused on uh, the 2015 season, but um, you know, taking a kind of a step back, looking at where Clemson is historically um, and generally in the state of play in college football is definitely important to us and hopefully to you too. Uh, so in addition to all that, uh, we'll probably be, start mixing things up um, with other podcast hosts, focused on other teams around the ACC, um, around college football generally. Um, we, got, we actually have some other things in the works to hopefully make listening and subscribing to our podcast a bit more worthwhile. Uh, so who are we? Who are these guys that uh, you're listening to here? So we are a small group of Clemson alumni. We're going to do some quick intros here in a moment. Uh, but we, the three of us, live out here um, in the Bay Area, and we've been um, really maintaining our link and love for Clemson through following athletics uh, since moving out here. Uh, so I guess I'll go first. My name is Nick. Um, I graduated from Clemson in 2002 um, in marketing and also French. Uh, I grew up in Ohio, so I'm the, the Yankee of the group. And judging by my graduation year, you can also tell that I'm the old guy in the group, too. So um, you'll certainly hear that come out as we talk. Um, Next up, I'm going to flip it over to Ben. Um, I'm Ben. I graduated from Clemson in the fall of 2006. I graduated with an architecture degree. Um, yeah, grew up in Somerville, South Carolina. I've been a Clemson fan my whole life. Yeah, and I'm Cody Fowler. I graduated in 2010. I'm from Greenville or Greer, South Carolina. Most people know about the upstate. Um, I, I graduated with a degree in psychology, a minor in business. I chose psychology because the girls are really pretty, and that was my biggest motivation. And the schooling was very tough. Fun fact, I went to South Carolina my freshman year, and punted on that after one year, went to Clemson. Academics were so much tougher, and but overall, the, uh, the Clemson experience was 10 times better. So You mean you wised up after one year? I wised up after one year. Yeah. Well, we're glad you did. Uh, well, that's a bit about us. We certainly have some other friends uh, who will be joining us, but um, that's kind of our, our quick intro there. Um, moving on, before we sort of get in, there's plenty to talk about on the Clemson football side. Um, coming up this weekend is actually the spring game. Orange and white game is this Saturday. Um, before we go there, we wanted to kind of close the loop on the um, NCAA men's basketball tournament just wrapped up this past Monday. Um, so, Ben, what were your thoughts on, on the game, the final game, maybe the final four in general? Well, as any good Clemson uh, fan would, uh, uh, absolutely you know, devastated that Duke won the national championship. I hate Duke. Um, always have. You know, likely always will. Um, I thought, you know, Wisconsin got some tough calls there down the break. They didn't play well offensively at the end of the game, so you can't really blame it all on the officiating. Sure. At the end of the day, Duke, you know, they were just a better team. They were a real good team. They had a real good coach. 
And you know, when people are better than you, that 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 drives the hate. But I'm not gonna apologize for it. I'll own it. I hate Duke. <laughs> Cody, how do you feel about Duke? You know how I feel about Duke, Ben. What, how do you think I feel about Duke? Well, I don't know. I, don't, I can't see any good Clemson man. Okay, so like yeah, like a Duke. The cat, the cat's out the bag. I don't know if that's the expression, but yeah, I, I've always been a Duke lover. I'm a South, former South Carolina student and a Duke lover, so I guess that makes me like pretty much like Clemson. Kind of weird. Yeah. But that's uh, okay. Yeah, but you're entitled to your take. <laughs> I won't go into the the, the de- into the depth of it or depths of it, but I was I thought it was a great Final Four. Wisconsin beat Kentucky, which you know, it's an amazing David game. Goliath, like you said, totally. And that'll be the game everybody remembers, really. I yep. think so. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate for Duke, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you know, some, it was good. Good players playing at a high level, mm-hmm. very entertaining, better than like Butler and UConn from 2011, and you know, ratings were high. Uh, in Clemson perspective, what we can take away from it, I think, is the ACC really just showed out. And like, wow, you know, Clemson had a you know a subpar year, but looking at it from a you know a higher level, I think it, it gives the ACC a little bit more national you know respect. And going into next year, <clears throat> winning at NC State will be uh, you know it'll be thought a little bit more highly of. So I think it, it gives the ACC good leverage, and that includes Clemson uh, going into next season. Well, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it shows the ACC's tournament run clearly the best. Uh, basketball conference, I think, in the country, and for Clemson to be, I think, predicted to, to finish last again this year and finish middle of the road um, in a conference that's even tougher now than it was, say, five years ago. Um, you know, we're we're not heading in the wrong direction, that's for sure. And the conference just brought in a lot of money uh, with this tournament run and win, which will get distributed to all conference teams. So, you know, I do hate Duke, but I guess for that, I'm glad they won. What does it pain me to say? That? Yeah, and I know it's not as big of a deal in basketball because yeah, we did get a little bit of money, which you know that doesn't hurt. Yeah, we're bit, we're building so many facilities. In football, though, I think there's like this people hate rooting for conference affiliation in football, and the reason that ACC fans, particularly Clemson fans, hate it is because South Carolina has been doing that the last 10, 15 years. Every every SEC football team that won a championship. South Carolina felt like they won some kind of consolation prize. And I think we've, as Clemson fans, have like grown to have a disdain for it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's fair. I think I think not, like, national perception matters. And I think Florida State has been a beneficiary of it, at least last year, maybe even the year before, but especially getting in the playoff last year. And I think that should help us, and it should kind of be the way we think about football going forward, because that'll be the difference between being Baylor or TCU in the Big 12, talking about football, versus... Ohio State. Well, for sure, I'd rather be in the best conference than the worst conference. Yeah. Well, and the other part is, I think in basketball, as good as your conference is, if you got in as your program, you had a shot. You got into this tournament. You had your shot to to win, to play. You know, hopefully, opponent that you were properly seated against, um, and kind of make your case. And the ACC, like you said, had a great performance this year. I think in football, some of that perception matters a lot more. You only play. Um, you know, so many in-conference games, so many out-of-conference games. So it really is about, you know, if you're if the rest of your conference is taking care of business and they play their out-of-conference rivals or early season games on a national stage and that reflects well on your conference, maybe that is enough for, like, let's say the Big 12 last year, they probably could have used a lot more quality wins outside of the conference overall. Um, but yeah. neither of those teams really had those, so I think you saw Ohio State get in. Yeah. 
And, and another argument, not to go too deep into this, is that replace the name on the front of the jersey, put Ohio State into the Big 12 and replace them with Baylor or TCU, doesn't matter, they're going to get in. Mm-hmm. You always give, yeah. The team that Preferential treatment to the Blue Blood or the, the National well, Powerhouse. Well, the, the Big 12 needs to add two teams to actually be 12. And have a conference title. Yeah, to get a conference championship right. game because that will go a long way. They keep touting this one true champion, yet uh, they, they had, don't have one. They had code. They don't have one. They not in not in basket or not in football, and then often not in basketball. There's co-champions, regular season champions. Um, yep. So you know, replace the name, replace the motto, add some teams, do something because you you fall behind. Well, and with conference realignment and sort of you could call it, well, really it's been blowing up the Big East of yore, but in effect, it's strange that so many of the other conferences have gotten much larger and they really haven't filled the void. From teams like the Zoo, Nebraska moving on, moving out, Texas A&M. So, be interesting, kind of a subplot to keep, take a look at the Big Twelve. And if they get snubbed again this year due to some similar circumstances, I'd imagine their board of governors would take a look at that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, then you see what happened in their uh, uh, tournament run in the NCAA. You know, uh, they were presumed to be the best conference all year long, and. Like that, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. much larger implications in football, though, where there's only four seats at the table, whereas there's you know 68 in basketball, right? right in general, so they're they're losing out in football um, by not having that strength mm-hmm. of, a, of a large conference, and in basketball, maybe it might trend that way if they keep having the showing they have. Everybody overestimating how good they are because a small group of teams are playing each other. Um, yeah, you can say from top to bottom they're stronger. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's incestuous. You beat up on one another, and yeah. and it even happens in football. Happens in the SEC West. You saw that prime example. Like perception becomes reality. These teams, like Alabama, Auburn, LSU, uh, Mississippi, Mississippi and Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah, the Mississippi schools. Yeah, but beating up on each other, and then all all of a sudden you're like, Mississippi State's the best team in the country. <laughs> really, really, they weren't. They were. They probably were never really <laughs> even top five. No, oh, top ten probably. Yeah. Yeah. But they were ranked like one or two, so. Well, of course they were. I mean, we can talk I mean, about that bias I think, later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like we'll kind of put a put a pin in conference uh, conference pride, conference kind of. Um, I'm just saying, go yeah. FSU, go Miami, go Virginia right. Tech. I think I think what go. we can say as ACC fans is I feel pretty let down over the last several years by the rest of the ACC, uh, really giving us much competition in our head-to-head matchups. Giving, you know, continuing to stay ranked in the top 25 has been kind of tough. So, yeah, well, um, and of course, we'll always have Florida State. Um, sure. Louisville has been a good addition. Um, Syracuse, I think we're now scratching our heads wondering what place do they, why, why do they belong in this In either sport. What are they, gonna, what are they going to offer us? Right. Um, and, you know, Pitt. Yeah, Pitt, you know, used to be, you know, decent at football and basketball. What have they done so much since then? Um, I mean, really, all the teams that the ACC has added, not a lot has happened. Louisville is, uh, uh, you know, holding the flag for those teams right now. But yeah, so I mean, we'll see. I guess in the next year or so, what what we get back from like the Virginia Techs of the world, can Miami? I mean, it, I think it's going to be Al Golden's last shot this year um, down there, and we play them, which would be great. But um, how much longer does Frank Beamer last in Virginia right. Tech? Yep. 
Boston College, they've kind of been on the outs the past two to three years. So Always a tough team, though. They play tough games. Yep, especially when we go up there. So um, I would say, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep our eye on the other, other teams and hopefully have conversations with you know, our counterparts over with uh, some of these other schools. Um, maybe to pull the focus entirely back on Clemson here, uh, we can move on to the spring game. So it takes place this Saturday, the 11th, uh, 2.30 Eastern. Just found out, actually, they're not going to be televising this game, um, at least as of today, due to construction in the stadium. Um, so that's unfortunate. We were definitely hoping to uh, catch that game on uh, Watch ESPN, ESPN3, etc., just to you know keep track of what's been going on and um, really some of the kind of highlights we're going to be looking for. So um, certainly have a lot of ground to cover here, but I think I, I might start with kind of the top three things I'm looking for in this game. Um, really, we'll start with the offensive side of the football. Um, I think with Deshaun Watson not playing, um, I'm really looking for kind of what what type of uh, range do we put out there with the playbook? And are we going to try to kind of reveal a little bit of the offensive identity or at least progress with really getting an offense going? Um, Chad Morris has moved on. So, um, you know, let's see where that goes. I think, you know, specifically what, we'll, what I'll be looking for is how do the coaches choose to really distribute the ball? Um, who are kind of the playmakers that they're they're targeting and focusing on? I think we know who some of those names are going to be, uh, but really, let's see if um, anyone can establish themselves as uh, somebody new in the offense. Um, certainly, all eyes are on the offensive line right now. So maybe even from like a, a run blocking perspective, um, how do our kind of experienced backs and in, in Gallman, you know, how is he going to adjust to the blocking coverage on his side of the ball when they're on offense? Um, can the O line like really establish themselves? Um, that'll be interesting. And really the last thing for me is also, um, like, will we see any, any signs of life out of the tight end position coming through in the, in the spring game? Um, anything you guys want to add on kind of the offensive side, what you're looking for? Well, for me, it'll be interesting to see how the quarterbacks do. You know, we're only a four deep at quarterback now, and one being Sean Watson, and we're kind of hanging our hats on him. You know, without him, we don't know what we have. We've seen Schuessler play. I don't think anybody's been real uh, encouraged by what we've seen out of him. Um, but we're hearing good things coming out of spring practice again. That could be coach speak. We don't know. You know, we know he's going to play on both sides uh, uh, for both teams uh, during the spring game. Uh, who knows if that's to, to mask uh, what we're going to be seeing. But we only have three available quarterbacks right now they are going to be playing. So, you know. That's probably part of the reason why. So it'd be good to see uh, what he can do. Uh, it'd be good to see what the young guys uh, come in to do this. One of the main re- things I'm looking forward to um, on the defensive side of the ball, I know we're losing um, you know, our guys on the front, but we, we're loaded with talent. We're stocked with talent and guys that aren't true freshmen, guys that have been here and been playing. And, and we still have Brent Venables. Don't yep. forget about him. Um, so... Great developer of talent as well as kind of tactician. Yeah. So it is, you know, I, I'm disappointed we won't be able to get to watch the game. Uh, the whole construction issue. Uh, I, Are you buying I, it? I, I don't even know what that means. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, maybe it's a smoke screen for Dabo. Maybe he doesn't want the, uh, the game televised. And you know what? If that's his decision and he wants to do that, then he's earned that. Uh, give him all benefit of the doubt. Uh, let him do with the team what he wants to do because he's the coach and he has brought this program success. If it's really 
reason as simple as there's construction going on in the stadium, surely they can find a way to get some cameras in there <laughs> so the fans can watch. Your resident architect, yeah, <clears throat> making his statement on construction. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, put put cameras on the helmets. <laughs> get some GoPros can, we, Yeah, get some GoPros <laughs> on the cameras. We can, we can get it from that perspective. Um, yeah, but, you know, they're, they're showing us, you know, pictures of the construction. We know what's going on. And, right. You know, it's only Nothing to hide. That one side of the end zone, so. Right. Yeah, going back to the game, like, I guess what I'm most excited about, or I guess what I'm really focused in on, I mean, every, like, the teams are dispersed, you know, you kind of, you don't mix good on good, as they call it. But what I'm looking for, I want to see the defense, this is just me, like, my perspective, I want to see the defense dominate. The reason for that is because I think the offense is not going to be what it, what it will be with Deshaun Watson. We saw the contrast of how good and bad, like, once again, that spectrum, the ceiling and the floor of our offense with or without Deshaun Watson. We're not obviously not going to have him. You're going to have Schusler, who again, like you said, Ben, I don't feel confident in. Um, we'll see. But I think what we could see that is promising is to see guys like Corey Rogers, new linebacker, um, Ben, ben Bulware, another linebacker. Obviously defensive line, which is just huge. Shaq Lawson, the DJ Reader, the tackles, Carlos Watkins, and then on the, on the backside, Kevin Dodd see them be aggressive, and then our secondary just dominating, uh, that that would give, make me more optimistic than anything. Yeah. As opposed to, say, like Wayne Gallman going for 150 yards, like what would that say about our defense? Sure. And or we already know Wayne Gallman's capable of that. I don't think it's kind of anything new. But uh, he did it against South Carolina's defense, so hopefully, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. hopefully our defense is a bit better. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, I think for me, just on the defensive side, certainly the – kind of unknown slash bright spot that everyone's been speaking about coming out of spring practices and the week, week, weekly scrimmage they had this Wednesday uh, was really the play of defensive end, you know, Ebo, Ebenezer, Ogundiko, probably butchered that. We'll get that right. Uh, but basically, you know, he's there on the strong side, um, could potentially be a, a big kind of wild card contributing factor to our defense, definitely our pass rush, um, and hopefully um, kind of filling the void of left by um, – Vic Beasley and a lot of our seniors um, just in the sacks department. So, you know, if he can put kind of Schusler under pressure, put him on his back a little bit, um, I think that'll be a great sign coming out of the spring um, and definitely could give us some, some much-needed depth on the front seven. Yeah, the, the storylines coming out from any media network or media outlet you look at is Ebo looks like he's the third guy and after a defensive end behind Shaq Lawson, Kevin Dodd. He's the one guy they feel comfortable with. And I think you're right. Tell he's he's like going to be the X factor. Yep. And he had the talent. He came out of New York. He was top rated player, top rated player in the state. And he's got the athleticism. It's just been raw. So he's I feel like if yeah. he can put it together, it's not just not just being having a serviceable guy. I think Kevin Dodd, unfortunately, is the serviceable guy. He sure. can give us. He'll be consistent, but he you know yeah not yet yeah, above even, average. He's not like a lights out guy. Yeah, not yeah. a huge ceiling. But yeah, like you said, Ebo, Ebenezer. He's, yeah, huge upside. The Vic Beasley type, yeah. Uh, what's interesting there, I mean, I'm, I don't have notes in front of me regarding recruiting in that part of the country, uh, but hopefully we can give him the sort of opportunity, and if he can flourish, you know, does that open up to the Northeast or the New York? He, he's from Brooklyn. Um, does that open open up something new for Brent Venables or for Dabo to recruit? Could be interesting. Certainly we focus on the Southeast, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, for our pipeline of talent, but 
I think we need to think a little more nationally if the talent's there and we can develop it. Yeah, well, there was Rashawn Geary, who the who was a five star, top five player, defensive tackle on campus from New Jersey, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean these Northeastern guys, right? We're cherry picking them, and we'll take them if they're like Christian Wilkins, if they're uh, Ebo, we'll take them. Yep. It looks like we got four guys north of Mason Dixon. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that that makes sense. <laughs> Ratio wise, certainly. Yeah. Uh, maybe the last area to touch on, I know this has been a, a big, something Dabo's um, spoken to, just solidifying the special teams game, maybe a little bit more from the playmaker standpoint. Um, on the kick return end, you know, penciled in right now on the depth chart would be Wayne Gallman and TJ Green. Um, but looks like CJ Fuller will, will also get some uh, some opportunities this weekend um, to make his, his case for a kick return playing time. Um, and on the punt return end, uh, Ray Ray McLeod, True freshman, I believe he's a five-star recruit coming in. Um, we'll we'll definitely get his chance as well. That could definitely, um, you know, my my opinion, give us um, the opportunity to rest the likes of Artavis Scott, Jermon Hopper. Let those guys focus on kind of their day job, if you will, on the offense. Let's leave the special teams maybe to the specialists, um, and hopefully Ray Ray can be a contributor this year. He's a true freshman um, and help kind of shore up a special teams unit last year that. Um, you know, it was, it was good, but definitely not a great contributor to our success. Yeah, I mean, the, you look at the wide receiver talent this year, and you could you know you could say it was plausible to think that that Ray Ray could redshirt, but in reality, he never will redshirt. And during the, his recruitment, that was all but guaranteed that you're not going to redshirt. Mm-hmm. And you look at the the kick returner, punt returner situation, and you got guys like TJ Green. Artavis Scott, that's not going to happen, not because of Artavis' ability, but because of the risk of losing him to injury. Yep. Ray Ray is going to be the guy. He's yeah. gonna, and pl- another thing, he's probably not going to get many reps, and we'll see. He could in be, the offense. In the offense, yeah. He could right. be game-changing once he gets on the field. But I, I think, hey, we're going to wait till Mike Williams gets, uh, gets, goes to the NFL, hopefully, you know, hopefully not after this year, but most likely after this year. Uh, Sharon Peak, and then you'll come in next year, and you'll and you'll get some reps at wide receiver. But this is your year as the punt returner, you know, you know, special team specialist type guy. Well, we say that, but remember what happened when Sam Watkins came in in the fall? Yeah, turned heads. People knew immediately this guy was going to play. So I hope he's that guy. You, play, you play your best players. You yep. got a five star coming in. We know yeah. our experience. So I'll take another Artavis Scott or Sammy Watkins. It, and the hell with. You know, special teams. If you can give yeah. me that anywhere close to that production, yeah. right? Well, we need a dynamic special teams uh, return game again, which we haven't seen since we do really Andre Ellington. But now we have you know you don't want to put your best guy back there. But now we have the depth of talent to where we can put yeah. playmakers like back play there um, to really make something happen. Yeah, I mean, the, just the sheer depth I think at wide receiver right now is is staggering for the Tigers. Um, you mentioned sort of the likes of Sean Peak, Mike Williams. Uh, or Tavis Scott, you have Ray Ray coming in. We're also hearing um, a lot of good buzz coming out about Trevion Thompson as well. Um, so certainly he'll be back in the depth chart, but you know if he can, um, you know, show up this weekend, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and this is a cliche, but it's an embarrassment of riches. And the, during this whole conversation, we've talked about a couple of NFL receivers, probably Sharon Peak and, and most definitely. Mike Williams. We haven't even talked about Deion Kane, who is the other five star, who I, in my opinion will be the more impactful freshman, at least at the wide receiver position, than Ray Ray McLeod. And then 
Artavis Scott's another guy. I don't know how he translates to the NFL, but does it really matter? He's so good at Clemson. Sure. And in our offense. I think Fultz said that about Andre Ellington. And That's true. Starting for the Cardinals. That's true. And yeah, it, Artavis Scott's incredibly talented. I, I think, yeah, he's got he's going to make some NFL roster. But until then, we'll get him for three more years and he'll sure. do really well for us. We'll take it. Well, that just tells you how our re- recruiting has gone. The level of excitement we have in talking about a lot of these guys we haven't seen a lot of action out of yet. And especially on the offensive side of the ball, the specialists were so deep at those positions. It's uh, where we can withstand. Injury, right? Come back from it and still fill a guy in. Um, and we don't know where all these guys are going to go. You know, we, we've seen in the past guys like Roscoe Crosby, um, you know, people get hurt, uh, they have personal issues, things happen. Um, but of course, they go play baseball. Yeah. So we hope for the best for all these guys. And it, it, it's great to have this competition and have to worry about how you get all these guys playing time. Sure. As opposed to who you'd be able to throw in there. So it's, you know, it's a great time for us. Yeah, and I think one of the kind of the first point I made, just looking at the offensive identity, and we do have tons of talent. How are our offensive are our offensive coaches going to develop our playbook? To going to develop our offense? Get these quarterbacks basically to get the ball to these playmakers. Like I'm really looking forward to seeing how that develops and what what they do show us um, this thought, weekend. Yeah, I think we saw like a small portion of it in the Oklahoma game. They condensed the playbook for Cole Stout and. At some point in, in a future podcast, we're gonna I, I'm gonna talk about Chad Morris. We won't go into that right now, but his kind of arrogance. I, I, and I, some people wouldn't choose that word. I choose arrogance to describe his the way he called plays the last few years. Tony bravado, Otto, bravado, yeah, yeah, like, a lot of bravado. And Tony Elliott and Brad Scott, Jeff Scott, Jeff Scott. Scott. I'm sorry, that's his dad. <laughs> Jeff Scott, they they really condensed the playbook. They want to focus in on sixty percent of of what we do and do it really well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that makes more sense. And right now, you know, Deshaun Watson's not even in there. Once they put him in there, things will really be able to hit a ceiling that it maybe it's never hit before. We'll see. Well, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, we've talked about this a lot. Like the offense is going to keep running uh, the same way it has, and yeah, we're taking the Oklahoma game um, as an indicator. But it will be interesting to see how Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott run the offense and how things progress, adapt, or change, evolve from Chad Morris. Um, yeah, both of them were, you know, four-plus-year kind of students under under Chad. Yeah, and, you know, it's, you know, Dabo says, you know, it, it's not a coaching thing, it's a system. It's a, it's a Clemson thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, because certainly things will change. Yeah, to tie a ribbon on it, I would say we saw that with the wrong quarterback in the system, it doesn't matter how good Chad Morris was, but with a good quarterback like Chad or like Deshaun Watson or Taj Boyd, there's huge upside. And we'll we'll get into also Chad's ability to adjust the playbook, the play calls to the defense we're playing, how the game's going. Um, I guess in a future podcast, we can go back and look at the Chad Morris era. Say what we're hopeful for, I guess, among the, the two-headed monster offensive coordinators we got. I like the two-headed monster. Cool. Uh, I'm not necessarily sold yet. I'm, I'm confident. I think they're both, they're both tremendous position guys. Um, I think it's telling Dabo couldn't kind of choose among the two. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But Well, we've all heard rumors as to why uh, they went that direction.
connection. You know, uh, from what I've heard, you know, all but nothing but good things to say about Tony Elliott, and you know, he's the guy that's going to be actually calling plays. Um, so, right. uh, you know, there's 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 one thing you can do. You know, you don't want to lose Jeff Scott either. You know, he's such a valuable part of this coaching staff, such a great recruiter. So, you know, at that point, neither guy was proven, but how do you move one up over the other without, yeah. you know, making one guy angry or seem left out and risk losing them? So you promote them both at the same time. And the other thing you can do is, you know, there's a limit to how much you can pay uh coaches without them being coordinators so you promote them both to co-offensive coordinators their level of pay the, the the high range of level of pay can actually raise so there's a lot of things that went into that and you know we'll see how it goes from here clearly for the rest of their tenure at Clemson they're not both going to be they're not going to be co-offensive coordinators somebody's going to move on things are going to change something's going to happen yep. um, but you know we'll start with it this year see how things go I mean they have the talent. We know that, that's for sure. So let's see what they can do with it. And it, it looks like, I think we'd all agree probably, it's Tony Elliott who might be carrying a little bit more of the, the actual play calling, the offensive coordinator, those duties. But like you said, Jeff Scott has been more like this facilitator of, of the kind of culture that we need at Clemson. And that's like, the, you can't put a price tag on that. He's like, he's probably like, you know, Dallas Sweeney, it starts with him. But then you got people under under him that are willing to you know to, buy, to really buy in and recruiting. Obviously, it's so huge. Uh, like you said, though, it's not just money; even it's that title. It's like you get advanced yeah. to a directory role in corporate America. Yeah, that's you put that on your resume now. Same with him; they can go to Marshall or Tulane wherever they want to go. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and we don't. You know, we're told this and that. We're told they're the both co-offense coordinators. Totally, Elliot's going to be calling the plays. You know, we assume well, maybe he's a better play caller. Well, we don't know that for sure. That That's an indication of maybe one of his strengths. Uh, but we don't know what goes on behind the scenes in the, you know, in the film rooms and studying and creating and coming up and drawing up new plays. You know, we don't know, because that's not talked about a lot, what Jeff Scott maybe has strengths over Tony Elliott is. You know, we just know on the surface, uh, you know, that, that Tony Elliott is going to be... Uh, you know, making the play calls, and then we take it from there and let our imaginations run wild. But we're not privy to the information that goes on behind the scene. He's not a co-offensive coordinator just because he's a great recruiter. That's true. Yeah. I know. He, even like Davos Swinney, I'm not going to say he's Nick Saban by any means. He's not, I'm sure he's not the best X's and O's guys. But he gets so discounted for whatever reason. I don't even think there's a, a large enough sample size to really judge how good of an X and O guy Davos Swinney is. But he, he does do one thing really well. He runs a program. He, he's a leader. He's a, a he's really a CEO, as they say. Mm-hmm. He, he motivates people, and he knows what he and he's focusing on that. And you know, he, the large, obviously the larger picture is really his focus, or the bigger picture. Well, do you see his experience in game? I guess you know if you if you do say where maybe last year we had a continuity coordinator and a play calling both sides of the ball. Um, maybe Dabo could take a little bit of a step back outside of the X's and O's in game and really make sure people were doing what they needed to do. Do you see him being kind of like a force of continuity this year with the new coaching staff on offense? Are you saying Dabo might dive back in? I'm not saying necessarily get into play calling or anything like that, but if he sees we need to make an adjustment, being a bit more vocal. Whereas before he would give Chad Chad Morris a bit more rope. Yeah, that's a good point. To figure it out. That's actually a good point. And I think shaking the Southland. 
if I, I don't know if I saw in a post or if it was in a or comment post or an actual article, but they, they think it's a way of like let these guys flounder and it gives him some kind of way to, to ju- you know get back in in 2016 and become the kind of offensive coordinator. I don't believe that you know at all. Well, I think, look, look what he did with Billy Napier, right? He gave him the opportunity. It didn't work out. They let him go. Who would we end up with? Chad Morris, right? Who is revolutionized our program. Yeah, okay. So, I again, we get... It's finding the right guy. We give Zabo the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. He had recommendations from Chad Morris on where to go. So, this whole thing of uh, whatever they were saying, possibly shaking Southland, maybe not them, or somebody that commented on the site. Whoever said that, I mean, come on. We've seen this happen before. We've seen what he does. And uh, where have we been? Where have we come while we've been under Dabo? I don't know that it's in Dabo's best interest to have our program flounder right now in any in any sense. So I don't know that that theory holds a ton of water for me. But I agree. Uh, I, I like I like Tony. I think I don't think this is a you know good old boy promotion. I think it's Tony Elliott is going to be an offensive sure. coordinator for a long time in college football and maybe even a head coach. I don't know. I don't know what Jeff Scott's trajectory is, but the guy's not going anywhere either. He's he's going to have a very successful well, career. When you're that good with people, you're going to be successful. Well, and the theory could be maybe he's going to be head coach. He you could know? be, yeah. Like even if he's not as good of an offensive guy, and I don't even know that. This is all conjecture. Well, could be know, that he's a head coach. Yeah, I mean, one it it is. One day Dabo may leave this program, and I think the only way any of us see that happening is if Alabama comes knocking the door. Now, I think it's way premature for us to think that if Nick Saban left tomorrow, that Dabo is going to be their first uh, choice. But if Dabo keeps going on the trajectory he's at here at Clemson and he meets his goals that he has winning national championships, then you know one day those prestigious programs, his alma mater, a place where he won a national championship as wide receiver, is going to come looking for him. And I don't think any of us could blame him if he decided take a job at his alma mater. Certainly not that one. I would never hate him for leaving it for a job. Like, if you can double his paycheck, a lot of people think, or go, oh, yeah, Or I, to his alma mater slash Alabama. There's like three things they, they bring that we don't bring. I would hate yeah. him for a split second when I was reading the headline. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then my heart would break, and then eventually I'd get over and understand. Sure. Indeed. It'd be a rough evening. <laughs> it would be rough, yeah. We, man... I don't care what. Yeah. I, a quick side note: I got into an argument last summer with, last spring, a year ago today, around ish, with a friend who was a South Carolina grad, who said Steve Spurrier was a better coach right now than Dabo Sweeney. I said you wouldn't take Dabo Sweeney as your coach, selling your brand down in Columbia with the SEC. You know, even though Columbia's a, a crap hole, you wouldn't take him over. Apologies to our Columbia listeners. Yeah, sorry. I, <laughs> It's not the it's not the university institution. It's the actual. Certainly. It's the city. It's a you know. But um, but you wouldn't take Dabo right now being younger than Spurrier, and that and age was something that we put into his consideration. And they said no. We think Spurrier is that good of a coach. And it, it, I mean, granted, these are USC fans. I like to think they're reasonably minded USC fans, but they just don't have that much respect for him. Sure. And I don't even think we're overstepping our bounds by saying that Dabo is he's he's a hot commodity, and he, he well, was probably reasonably uh, considered. For the Florida job in the offseason. In, in their defense, in South Carolina fans' defense of that, Steve Spurrier does, and this is proven, 
It's there. You can witness this. Does have a much larger banner of himself outside their stadium than Dabo does at ours. Absolutely. Yeah. But when you factor in age, wait a minute, what? Yeah, you didn't know about that? No. Yeah, there's a giant... I thought that would banner was like a metaphor for like... No, it's a joke. Oh. I missed it. Right, right <laughs> there's, a giant, there's a giant banner of Steve Sprayer outside the William Trice Stadium. Oh, yeah. So Dabo just needs to get a bigger banner. <laughs> yeah. It's, it'll be a banner measuring contest. Or so you can keep winning. Guys, any more comments as we kind of close, close the book on the spring game leading into it? And Shaq Lawson, Shaq, Shaq Lawson, Lawson, Shaq Lawson. If he is dominant and really good this year, playoff. And and obviously the caveat being Deshaun Watson's health. If Shaq Lawson is great this year, we will be sniffing a playoff. You know, one thing that I'm we haven't we're not going to really allow a lot of people to be talking about. You hear Davo and the, and the coach talk about it a lot. I'm interested in seeing what this Hunter Winfro kid can do. As wait a minute, you mean as a punter or like a punter? Just as a just, player in general. Have you seen his highlight film, highlight tape? I'm not worried about him punting so much. Is that I hear things that he's gonna be in the mix one day for a wide receiver position. Watch his highlight from high school. His highlight, his high school highlights of kicking the ball. No, or no, he was a, he was a quarterback in high school and really? he ran. He like this option. Yeah, yeah, he is unbelievable on tape. He's an athletic guy. Well, he seems. So can we foresee some trick plays in our? Special teams. Future. That's my thought. You were you were thinking Ben of him as a wide receiver. Well, and that's where they they haven't plugged into. Uh, but now hearing that just to stand he, a chance on a wide receiver, Clemson. We're listen, we're wide again, receiver. You you know. Listen, this, right? Again, it could be coach speak, but you listen to what these guys have to say about him. I I I'm intrigued because he's coming out of nowhere. I didn't know. I don't know who this kid is. So for them sure. to be talking about him, a walk on. Watch his watch his tape. It's great, and and on that on that note, because I'm a recruiting nerd, watch C.J. Fuller, his tape in high school. I thought it was great, and so I'm not surprised at all if you watch him. He's getting breakaway speed. He looks like C.J. Spiller. Go watch C.J. Spiller and then C.J. Fuller, their YouTube highlights from high school, and look at the breakaway speed. And I'm not surprised at all that C.J. Fuller is like kind of emerging as a you know a long shot at running back and kick return. I think if I had to sum up kind of where we are going into this spring game versus last year, I think a year ago um, very much was, even you know two years ago, was we were very established um, on offense. I think it was about coming into the last year of Taj Boyd's tenure, um, certainly Sammy Watkins' last year, um, and Andre Ellington too. And then on the defensive side, this past year was really our year of um, depth and continuity. Um, I think this year we have a decent amount of turnover, so there there are a lot of position battles to be to be fought in one still. Um, but I think you know certainly tons of talent. We've had great recruiting seasons. Um, now it's time to really see that play out and get get our kind of playbook under under us. Um, so exciting time overall, um, and uh, I think we can move on from that. So sort of the last thing uh, we'll touch on today really goes around the league. So. Um, I don't know if we'll make this a regular fixture, but we'll kind of take a look at some news affecting one of our opponents in the upcoming season, maybe a rival. Um, I imagine we will be talking about Florida State as much, if not more, than anybody else. Um, so one name that's in the mix for consideration for Florida State is actually currently uh, signed on, to Ohio State, uh, two-time Big Ten Player of the Year, Braxton Miller. Um, he's coming off his second surgery for a torn labrum in his throwing shoulder. Um, his first was suffered uh, in the Orange Bowl playing your beloved Clemson Tigers. 
Um, so as many people know, Braxton pretty much sat out his entire um, junior season, um, but is fully eligible to play this year. Um, and since he's earned his undergraduate degree, he's also fully eligible to transfer and start this year for another program. Um, this is not necessarily news. There's been rumors out there since January that um, if this comes to pass and he does transfer, on his short list of schools, you've got LSU, um, and you also have Florida State, and potentially even Oregon coming off of Marcus Mariota. And South Carolina's claimed South Carolina. Oh, interesting. So um, I, for one, would be shocked if he landed in Columbia, but Tallahassee could potentially be in the mix uh, with Jameis Winston set to play on Sundays. So, um, you know, Cody, knowing what you know about the position battle at quarterback um, in Tallahassee, what are your thoughts? You're afraid of Braxton Miller coming off two shoulder surgeries, um, one of which suffered at the hands of Clemson. What do you I, think? I think you're lying if you say you're not a little bit concerned. He's 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 talented, and yeah, the shoulder surgery matters, but he was never Jameis Winston in terms of being a passer. Sure, passer. His his uh, skill set, you know, relies on his lower body, his legs. He so you you combine combine him with Dalvin Cook. Their Heisman candidate, quote unquote Heisman candidate. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, it's a little bit scary. And let's say, I mean, re- recruiting wise, Florida State's been a little bit better than Clemson. They have plenty of talent. I think this is the one year where we put our quarterback into the fold, our Heisman level quarterback, and we tip the scales. We're better than them. Mm-hmm. You put a you put a high performing Braxton Miller down in, in Tallahassee. Yeah, I'm definitely worried. I'm concerned for sure. Well, but you put him down there. Playing that game in Death Valley, that that helps. I mean, but still, it, I don't know. I think I think Florida State's top fifteen team right now, right? I think you put Braxton Miller, a fully functioning Braxton Miller, into that into that uh, in that rotation. They could they could be a top ten team, and any top ten team coming comes into town. I'm worried about. And Notre Dame is no such either, but we'll talk about that. Talk about that in a later. Episode. Sure. So. If- if, let's say, Braxton Miller decides to come back, Urban Meyer is able to convince him that he will certainly uh, be able to vie for the quarterback job um, in Columbus, I think what we are looking at in terms of Florida State's depth chart is Sean McGuire, who was their backup last year that we faced. I think he's penciled in right now as the de facto starter. Um, so that's a huge discrepancy. Absolutely. I mean, he's that could be... Against us, though. He is one to know, but... I would say he didn't necessarily set the world ablaze and uh, give Jameis any fits in trying to earn his job back um, coming off a team-imposed suspension last year. Um, so we'll see, I guess, if Sean McGuire, if, if given time to develop and given the helm, what he can do down there. Um, or will he get leapfrogged by um, the guys they're trying to reload with? Uh, but definitely something to keep an eye on. I feel like I should probably set up some type of alert for Braxton Miller um, suit see where he lands. Caveat, I'm also an Ohio State fan. Grew up in Ohio. So, interested in that as well. Old Yankee. Guys, I only like Clemson. (laughs) Clemson, I bleed at the orange. Top team. When those teams played, I went to the Clemson bars wearing orange. Don't worry. I'm just kidding. I like Kansas basketball. (laughs) But I did go there too. We know Cody's stance on Duke. Four-letter Teams from my, my unborn child already goes to Duke, so mm. so so Cody, if if Clemson magically gets good at basketball and becomes a powerhouse in the ACC, who do you root for? It is Clemson versus Duke, and I'd say they're in the Final Four. 
I, you know, I plead the fifth. That's all I could say. Some might take that as a vote for Duke on a Clemson. I, I would. I'll like, just say that I, I would be happy if both of those two teams ran into each other in the Final Four. It would be a it would be a can't lose for me. Well, let me put, it, win -win. Let me put it to you this way though: you've seen Duke win national championships. How great would it be to see Clemson win one at basketball? I'd have to. Okay, yeah, I would agree. If Clemson, because it, it would mean so much to the Clemson program, it, I would pull for Clemson. However, if they're playing next year, I hate to say it, I, I'm, I still kind of root for Duke. Uh, like regular season wise, as Clemson's, you know, middle of the pack in the ACC, I'm, I root for Duke. Well, for those of you who haven't tuned us out yet from all the Duke talk and Ohio State talk, uh, we thank you for sticking around. Referees are objective. <laughs> referees are meant to be objective. Um, While refereeing, they're, the they're meant to be objective. Yeah. In practice, <laughs> we're not so sure. Uh, but thanks for tuning into this edition of the podcast. We'll be back uh, next time to review the orange and white spring game. Maybe talk about the state of the program at the moment through a historical lens. Um, see what the baseball team's been up to. And um, any other noteworthy news we will have for you. Uh, thank you very much. Go Tigers.